Welcome to the Dwellness Podcast. I'm Ruth Steinmetz. And I'm Brian Steinmetz. Join us on our journey to discover the connections between physical and mental well-being and our dwellings. Welcome one and all yet again to the Dwellness Podcast. We're going to get started right away with our quote of the week, which comes directly from the source today, Mr. Devin Bailey. And it goes something like this. It is never what actually happens that causes us to have a bad experience. It is what we add to those things in terms of meaning and narrative. The latter is what impacts our lives. Mm. What do we think about this quote? This is the first time that we've ever quoted our guest in the quote of the week, by the way. <laughs> so I guess what I really want to know, first of all, Ruth, um, how does that hit you? And then we'll talk about where it came from, Devin. Yeah. Um, first, I'm thinking about how we are, stu- uh, we are such um, consumers of stories. And that's how we... Um, experience our lives is through stories and really even when you're trying to give someone a lesson it helps when you add a story to it and it builds connection that way but at the same time the double-edged sword of story telling is that sometimes we can get into narratives that are not serving us and um, because we're so obsessed with stories and that's how we like to frame our experiences, we need to be careful of what story we're telling ourselves um, regarding what we're experiencing. Because mm. it can um, it can make or break us. Mm. And it can also distort what's actually happening instead of expound or explain or make sense of it. So um, just like with, you know, fiction versus nonfiction or, you know, an inappropriate or misplaced story in a in a in a situation, it can just distort everything. So, yeah, that's what it makes me think about stories. Mm. Your explanation makes me think of Jesus and parables Mm. and how he taught most of his great lessons through storytelling and most poets like. um, like Shakespeare meant Romeo and Juliet to be a cautionary tale. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mr. Bailey, what is it that you thought of it? Or what were you thinking when you wrote those words? How long ago was it when you wrote this book? Uh, the book, four, by the way, How to Escape from Prison. Four we'll talk more about ago. this soon. Yeah, four, four years, years ago. Now. Wow. It, it was the realization, in fact, there's one particular experience that brought it home for me, and, and I'm going to do exactly what Ruth talks about and tell a story, if you don't mind. It, it was actually, and it involved me being in the shower. Don't worry, I'll keep this PG-13. And <laughs> it was, there was a morning where I was newly free, if you like, in, on my entrepreneurial journey. I had stepped out of my corporate career and I was, I was building my coaching business or at least starting to. And I was reflecting on how cool it was that, you know, frankly, I didn't need to be anywhere in particular at any point in time and that my time was my own. Sure, I had calls, meetings, emails to attend to, but I had my own time and I planned in my head that I would treat myself to at the time I really enjoyed flat white coffees and I was going to go to my favorite coffee shop down the street and get a flat white and tri- and, and I was going to work from the coffee shop you know like a proper entrepreneur mm-hmm. <laughs> and um you sure you weren't a screenwriter at the time <laughs> yeah, maybe, that's maybe. what <laughs> maybe and I 
when I was in the shower, shampoo in my hair, I heard the doorbell ring. Mm-hmm. And I realized in that instant that it was a very well-known uh, furniture delivery company that I won't mention the name of, who was delivering an item of furniture. And instantly, those dreams were dashed. Immediately, I, I knew that I wasn't going to get my coffee. There was going to be a fluster. The dogs were barking. It was chaos. And immediately, I felt robbed. I felt like these guys had not texted me before they were going to arrive like they said they would. They had deliberately shown up at an inconvenient time. They somehow on some level knew that I wanted the morning to myself and had planned since they woke up to ruin my day. And I was livid for a a fraction of a second when I thankfully caught it and realized that all of that was completely made up. And And standing there desperately trying to wash the soap out of my hair, I thought to myself, what is actually true about this situation? Like, what do we actually know to be fact? And that is, there's a person with wet hair and the sound of a doorbell. That's it. I didn't even know at that point that it was for sure the delivery people. I didn't know that it meant I couldn't have my... I made all of that up. Mm. And in one second, I was, I was happy and looking forward to my flat white. And in the next second, I was angry because I felt I'd been inconvenienced. And all that had happened was this sound, ding dong. And I just realized that I made it all up. Yeah. You actually mentioned this in the book. Ah. I immediately recognized that story. Yeah. Yeah. We we have here uh, with us kind of in our studio via, via Zoom or what have you. He's actually in Boston right now. Uh, we have with us Mr. Devin Bailey, a, a past client of mine and good friend who has quit his corporate job four years ago, right? Yep. And started his own uh, coaching business uh, called Shaping Reality. And a lot of it, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, sir, but uh, a lot of what you're talking about is being aware of, of what's actually going on yeah. with your life and shaping your own reality within yourself, That's right? right? And so a part of this, the chapter that you were just talking about is the third tool that you mentioned, which is presence. Um, And you go on to say that um, you think of it like a a vanilla ice cream, (laughs) right? It's neither good or bad. It just represents an event or situation in its present form, right? And then if you pour shit all over the ice cream (laughs) and then you complain, it tastes like shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that happens to me, and Ruth can attest to this. Uh, rather, I do it far more often than I would uh, care to admit, honestly. Um, I mean, I just, you know, we ran into this situation earlier today where I was um, complaining about something I have no control over, mm. and she called me out on it, and the complaining got worse. So yeah. I, I appreciate the the call out and the opportunity for growth. Um, and I also appreciate you putting it down in black and white for us. Yeah. Yeah. Vanilla and shit. Yeah, exactly. Well, all I can say is welcome to the human experience. I mean, (laughs) if anyone said they don't experience that, then they lie about other stuff too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, That's true. And it's, it's tough because, Tell me if you guys disagree. A lot of the time we want things to be a certain way 
so that we can feel the way we want to feel. Mm. And I don't know about you, but I get tired sometimes trying to control all the people, places and things around me. Uh, and I'm slowly learning that it's actually easier to shape my experience based on what I pay attention to, the meaning I attach to this. But it's easier. Eh, correction. It's harder, but it's more logical to shape the experience from within. You know, go, go back to that silly, that silly shower story. Hmm. It turns out it was the people delivering the furniture and I did not get to have my flat white and the dogs did bark. And I realized in that moment, I just, I, I said to myself, you can choose Devon for this to mean whatever you want it to mean. Could mean that you've been inconvenienced. Could mean that your day's gone off the wreck. Sure. Your wish is my command. And I, so I said to myself again, while I'm desperately trying to wash the shampoo out of my hair, what, what do you want it to mean? And I suddenly thought to myself, there's probably at least two guys at the door, right? It was a heavy piece of furniture being delivered. These are two human beings who have goals, dreams, and desires of their own. Two human beings who have taken time out of their day to carry something very heavy that I couldn't carry. They've shown up to my door earlier than planned. On, but on the day they said they would, they're going to bring in, assemble something I ordered that I had to do nothing for except tap a few buttons on my phone and it showed up. They're going to be nice. They're going to be courteous. They're going to have me sign a piece of paper and they're going to go on with their life. What an absolute blessing that you didn't have to do a single thing, Devon, and this piece of furniture showed up. Now, that's just as made up as the other story. I'm not saying either of them's true, but I felt very, very different about the experience when I chose to focus on that version than the one that said, I don't get to have my coffee and I've been inconvenienced. And I think mm -hmm. that's the beauty of it is I would rather be a person who opens the door to a delivery person, pleased to see them and grateful that they've showed up with their delivery than a guy who is pissed off because he's been inconvenienced. I would just rather be that guy. Either way, the doorbell rang. I can't do anything about that. I can do something about the version of the guy these sweet people get to see when the door opens. And I don't know why such a silly story hit me it was just a realization that it's all made up so maybe we try a little bit harder to make up stuff that is empowering rather than stuff that's not that's really cool yeah i like that too yeah and, it and, makes me mm -hmm. and for the record that's not me suggesting for a second that we should relish tragedy or that we should seek out hardship or that you know, anyone is meant to be joyful when they get some sad news. That's, that's not at all what I mean. You know, feelings are feelings. It's just in those instances when we're so quick to be pissed off, frustrated, annoyed, irritated, there's definitely another side to it that we could choose to focus on if we put in a little bit of effort. Yeah. Well, that speaks directly to my soul. I can yeah. tell you that. Yeah. Um, we certainly want to get, more into that and uh, more into the insights you've um, brought out or you've come across and explained in your book <coughs> and in and in what you're doing in your life but before we get into that I mm. want to make sure Brian that you have 
finished uh, Devin's introduction and we can get into the first question? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Uh, he is the author, with the exception of this, I will say he is the author of How to Escape from Prison, which I am enjoying very much thus far. Uh, I have not had the chance to finish it, despite it being on my bookshelf for some time. He was kind enough to autograph it for me, as you can see here. <laughs> I uh, appreciate your honesty, Brian. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to, I am here and now, and I <laughs> do not want to do any false pretenses about this, but I, I am going to finish it. It's very conversational. It's, uh, it's a wonderful, um, uh, it doesn't really throw a lot of heavy concepts at you or big words or anything like that. It's just like you're talking to a good friend mm -hmm. uh, for, for an extended period of time, and he's just being like, listen, bro, you got to just, just calm down and, and think about these things. And he gives you 10 tools to help you with it. And uh, I, thus far, I'm really enjoying it. It's an easy read, and it's, you know, it should be on everyone's, not on their bookshelf, just <laughs> on their bookshelf, but in their minds. You know, it's, it's, consumed, uh, it's about 200 pages, and it, and it flies right by. Yeah. You know, so I have no excuse, Devin, honestly, to have not having finished this, other than I just haven't gotten to it, uh, which, is, which is lazy. But I'll, I'll let you know what I think of it when I'm done, and maybe we can add an, uh, an addendum to this podcast, perhaps. Yeah, you can uh, make a blog post, maybe. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So he also, I have also had the privilege of attending one of his seminars about two years ago, uh, shortly before I met you, actually, um, one of the Shaping Reality seminars. And it's, um, he does a good job uh, as a life coach. I might actually hire you. I could use some help with a few things. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, yeah. Um, shape our reality sir oh. uh with uh an answer to uh to uh ruth's next question or first question i should say yeah uh our first question that we ask every guest is uh as you know this is the dwellness podcast mm -hmm. and uh it can mean whatever it it should mean to you as we're all uh kings and queens of our own narratives so what does dwellness mean to you how do you find your dwellness? So, to, uh, by the way, I have to say I love the name. Oh, um, thank you. It very much resonates with me. For me, what I hear and feel is this concept of a sanctuary. I love mm. the idea that our home, wherever that may be, um, it could be temporary. You could be traveling and, and find home, or it could be where you choose to put down roots, that you feel safe and you feel like you can relax. And by relax, I don't necessarily mean lay down and put your feet up. That's nice too. I mean that you can put the armor down. Mm -hmm. And I know you know what I mean, that you, can, that you can just sit and be. I think we're very much human doings, all of us in Western society, and we forget that we're actually human beings. And I like the idea that when I'm in my dwellness, my home, I can just be. Uh, and it's a way I can recharge and decompress and get ready to go back out there in the world and do whatever it is I want to do. That's what it means to me. Sanctuary, safety. Mm. Nice. That's lovely. Uh, I especially like the idea that you largely work from your sanctuary now, don't you? I do. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I was talking to a client earlier, actually, we're looking at some office space potentially because uh, uh, I'm starting to think I would quite like it's, it's funny now I work from my, my studios downstairs in the basement. Um, and I love the fact that everything's within a 
the close quarters, the gym, everything, I'm starting to think I would quite like some separation because I realize that commute, even if it's a short walk versus, you know, a long train into the city, it does produce an opportunity for us to change our state because, you know, we're different people when we're sat on the sofa versus working out in the gym versus on a podcast versus having a deep and meaningful conversation with a spouse. We're different versions of ourselves. And I'm realizing that the commute time actually does provide us an opportunity to change state. So I'm looking at possibly um, renting office, which is which is funny timing. Um, and for now, very much made a little sanctuary for myself here. Hmm. Nice. Um, we encountered the same issue or a similar issue when yeah. we were, I, I mean, we both work from home as well. Mm -hmm. And when you're a couple who is in the same space, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Day, after day. <laughs> day after day with, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a well-sized townhouse, but it doesn't have a wiggle room for people to have their own, um, private dens. Yeah. Or, yeah, know. we like a la uh, basement, for example. Yeah, exactly. Um, so <clears throat> it, it just uh, becomes really hard to retreat. Mm -hmm. And and uh, we're both introverts and we need that retreat to re um, recalibrate ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so just having that um, external space where we can transition from home life to work life and vice versa it was starting to become more uh, of a priority and that's why we came into Hula. And I really like the fact that we come into the studio to do our recording and we're not doing it in the house on top of everything else we're doing in the house. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Even though we, we totally have mics and everything, we were going to do it originally, mm -hmm. but better judgment got the best of us, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it served us well mm -hmm. to just have this external space yeah. yeah and will's a great producer too and and i don't uh i don't pretend to think that i would have the capability of setting up this with you in boston uh <laughs> while also uh, uh being able to you know there would be much much more many more technical difficulties i think than if i was doing this by myself <laughs> despite having studied film and 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 being uh technically capable it's just yeah. I'm not as, as good as it, as other people are. And it's it took a lot of me breaking down my own ego to, to admit to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have to be everything all the time. Even if, you know, sometimes needs must and you have to um, break out of your own shell or, you know, push yourself to to do more than what you're willing to do and, you know, give yourself that extra skill set to be able to do it mm -hmm. uh but sometimes it's it, it doesn't mean that that that's what is gonna work well for you you know in considering all the things that were on our plate adding this on top of that would have just been well, i tell you it, it would be much taxing. more than a week between each episode <laughs> i can tell you that <laughs> <laughs> it's funny it's funny that you two bring this up now because this is something i'm going through with this new product um mm -hmm. i'm developing because there's people helping me and they're just better than me at what they're doing. And there's a part of me that says, if you're not doing it, then, you know, there's something wrong with you or you're not playing your part. And I'm slowly realizing that 
no one ever did anything truly meaningful or impactful on their own. I don't mm. think that's the point. I don't think whatever the grand endeavor is, whether it's the Dwellness podcast, some kind of online learning platform, writing a movie, what, producing, whatever it is, I don't think life, God, whoever, whatever you believe in, I don't think it was designed for us to do it in isolation. I think it was designed to be everyone bringing whatever their part is to the table. And it's a co-creative process. And it's interesting, Brian, you said ego, because it was my ego that was getting in my way. When I cast yeah. that aside, I just, I'm happy to say, okay, cool. Thanks for your help. You go do that. And I'll, I guess, sit here and wait. Do whatever. Yeah. <laughs> just be, be busy being a CEO or something. Right. You know? And it's, it's just yeah. fascinating how we, like, that's another story, isn't it? That's a, that's a narrative mm -hmm. that like, you've got to do everything. Yeah. Did who? Never. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and sometimes you can be pushed to that um, emergency situation where you have to like, you know, take care of three different pots on the stove. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's not a permanent thing and, and it shouldn't have to be a permanent thing. And um, I pride myself in feeling like competent in whatever I'm doing. Like, oh, yeah, I can take care of that. I can take care of that. But it doesn't mean that I should be doing mm. that all the time. Mm. And it's actually not good for my body and my mind to be doing that all the time. And so I, I need to be able to just let go even of that like creative control of like, letting other people handle other things mm. even though I, i'm like i can do that you know <laughs> it is a huge ego thing and i mm. guess also like a perfectionist thing to just want to do it the way you have it in your mind and yeah. execute it and and you know hack your way through stuff um which can be detrimental so i'd like to tell a story speaking of storytelling uh, you and i have been talking about staying in our own lanes quite a bit recently Mm. Uh, because I had a tendency to swerve all over the place, <laughs> uh, especially when we were first getting started. And, and um, you know, I'm an artist. I have an artist's soul mm. uh, and, uh, uh, and not a salesman's soul, despite the fact that I now have a real estate brokerage that's all my own. Um, I say that. I share it with Ruth, but she doesn't have her real estate license. So my lane is to make the sales and make the calls and go to the meetings and sell the houses. And I totally forgot that. And I allowed myself to step on Ruth's toes as the designer. Uh, and she obviously was not pleased with that. And it took me far too long to get back into my own lane and actually do the work of selling houses and bringing in the money so that we can keep doing this thing. Mm. Yeah. So that's the, another story I'm not proud of, but you know, um, a big part of growth is making mistakes and learning from them. And that's what, that's what I'm trying to do right here. Go right ahead. Yeah. And I just want to, cause it's happened twice now on this podcast already. I just want to acknowledge you for owning them. Mm. Well, thank you. Because I've got a lot more. You want some more? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but do you know what, buddy? Like we all do. And I think a lot of people, maybe present company excluded, a lot of people don't make it a habit of owning their shit. And everything's someone else's fault. So yeah, sure, maybe you made a mistake, maybe you trod on her toes, but bless you, man, you owned it and you 
course corrected, or I assume you course corrected. I'm um, in the process of continuing the- to course correct. <laughs> right. Okay. And yeah. don't worry, your lovely wife will continue to remind you. That's <laughs> <laughs> Wives do have a tendency to do that. Yeah. Don't they? Uh, but seriously, you owned it, right? And I, and I pride myself on when I make mistakes to go back and say, hey, you know what? Yeah, I, I screwed up. I'm sorry. It's something I'm working on. You know, can you help me with ABC? But a lot of us don't want to do that because then we admit we're human. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. There's a vulnerability to that and you feel yeah. like you're exposed to some sort of harm. Yeah. But it's not harm. Uh, that's another story that you have in your head. Oh, if I say I'm wrong, then, you know, yeah, then yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so I, and I, I totally resonate with that. Just being able to just own it, not because there is some potential like negative consequence, but because it is what is needed for you to be able to get over to the other side. Like first, uh, you know, Brian uh, keeps saying in this podcast, the like from AA, the first step to um, admitting, I mean, yeah, the first step to solving a problem is admitting that there is one. Yeah. Admitting that there is a problem. And so like when we deflect from you know, owning the um, the action, then it becomes a delayed opportunity for growth. Yeah, Amen. yeah, uh, that's really well said. Thank you. I just would like to echo exactly what you said. Until we we really look at ourselves in the mirror, we're not going to like what we see every time we glance at it. You know, mm-hmm. we have to look deeply at who we are, what we do, and and who we're affecting. Uh, and if it's negative, positive, what have you, but you, there's always room for improvement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the shape of my reality is, uh, yeah. get off your ass and do something. <laughs> <laughs> so coming back to you, uh, Devin, um, I'm really intrigued by your journey from, you know, the transition from corporate life, uh, because I know that's a, this lady's a mind reader. I swear. I was just, uh, pulling out, um, the, the day things changed on page 22. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I recall the day things changed for me like it was yesterday. Can you tell us that story? Yeah, I was in Orlando International Airport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if anyone uh, has operated in the corporate world um, and tried to take a vacation, they'll, under- <laughs> they'll understand the following. You pay for it before you go away and you pay for it when you get back. Because mm. the time you take, forget the fact that it's hard to disconnect while you're away. Everything that needed to get done while you were gone gets squeezed into the days pre and post. Now, I made a double mistake. First was taking a vacation, silly me. And the second one was the week I got back from vacation, I was actually at a conference and I was teaching. So I got back and couldn't access my computer to do anything. So it was doubly, I'll call it stressful. Uh, and I remember when I, the conference was over, it would, would have been a Friday, I guess. I was heading back um, home, flying from Orlando to, to Newark. And I was sat in the airport trying to catch up on email and messages and whatever. And it was, it, I was just drowning. I was just drowning. Hundreds and hundreds of emails, people sending me nasty messages like, where's this? Where's that? Remembering stuff that needed to get done, which didn't panic, 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 panic. And I just kind of had this moment where I just said to myself, like, this is nonsense. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is ridiculous. You gotta, I don't know what it is. I'm not suggesting you quit your job and leave Devon, but this is preposterous. 
you're sat in an airport wanting to be sick with anxiety because of emails. Like, dude, your life's unmanageable. And it was kind of one of those moments where I just gave myself a bit of tough love. I didn't really know what I was going to do, but I knew I needed to make a change. And then I had this really strong compulsion to look up. And I see in the distance, she must have been, I don't know, 50, 60 feet away, this young woman come into the terminal area. And I was incredibly attracted. I don't mean as in, I mean, she was a, a very a pretty woman. I don't mean attracted in that sense, just drawn to what? Oh, I, I think the analogy I used in the book is like a, a kid who's supposed to be doing his homework, but he's watching his favorite TV show. Like I couldn't not look. And of course, she walks all the way across the terminal and sits down on the sofa directly in front of me, of course. And I remember her sitting down with a whole bag of stuff and kind of making a a scene of it and then she randomly looked up at me and she said do you like reading and i thought hi how are you okay random question and i said yeah sure i i like reading and she said i'll have a book for you and she leaned into a bag and she grabbed a, a a copy of this book from a bright red book and she handed it to me and i turn it over and i look at the back and it is all about a burnt out, stressed out corporate person who's <laughs> promised to make changes in their life and blah, 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 blah. And I just, and I thought, uh, this is weird. Uh, how, what on earth is going on here? It was a, one of those coincidences that I now know don't exist. <laughs> and I looked up and we get to talking a little bit and I thought, what, what's, what's the harm? I'll let my guard down a little bit. So we started talking about how I was really stressed and and things were a problem and I was overweight and unhealthy and have a problem with drinking and blah, 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 blah. And um, she could tell I was definitely weirded out by the kind of coincidence of it. And she just stopped me in my tracks. And I will never forget this moment. And she looked at me and she said, you know, we met for a reason, right? And it was just a, it seems like an innocuous statement, but it just, it hit me. And it was the first time in my, at that point, what? 33 34 years of life that i stopped and i swear i looked up and i went okay i heard that like got it that was something else and it just made me for the first time think there was another path i didn't know what that meant in terms of job i didn't know if that meant money would magically show up i didn't know if that was relation i i, I just it it made my brain go huh maybe there's another way and that was all it took to open, open things up and have me explore different ways of thinking, being. And I started studying and reading and attending events. And yeah, seven years later, my life is unrecognizable. Wow. That's incredible. It, it can't have been easy. I mean, I'm sure there were moments where you were like, because I also left corporate and I think for me, the realization was that I'm just not built for it. This mm. is just not who I am. You know, just basically what I said, I, I'm not built for this kind of life. It's not made for someone like me. And I am trying to like put myself like a, you know, a, pe a, a round yeah. peg in a square hole. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm trying to fit and kind of make myself square, but I can't, I just can't. And I am experiencing the negative consequences of that. Mm. Um, 
And but at the same time, there is a sort of um, cushioning that corporate life can give you that can yeah. um, sort of smooth out the uncertainties of life and delay those kinds of like deep questions around what am I really supposed to do? So how how were you able to stay the course, so to speak, um, once you figured out that this was not for you? I love that question. The short answer is I didn't realize it wasn't for me at that moment. Mm. It took another couple of years to realize that. Um, one, because I was so <sighs> stressed, like in the true sense of the word, nervous system was shot, lifestyle was unhealthy. They're, they're, that's not a place from which to make life-changing decisions. There was, mm -hmm. there was some cleanup to do first. And the second reason is... I promised myself that I would figure it out in that environment before making an environmental change. Uh, I, I, the best analogy I can think of is sometimes we have friends who have um, the same kind of relationship crises over and over again. And then someone kind of lovingly says, I'm really sorry. It might be you, like yeah. You know, you feel bad. But it keeps happening. You're like, why do I keep meeting people like this? I think it might be you. It was one of those things where I thought, if I just quit or I do something different, if I remove the stressors, great. That might solve the problem in the short term. Might create other stresses. Am I really learning from it? Am I really getting stronger, figuring out how to handle it, or am I just going to take? the problem, which is me and my wiring with me. So mm -hmm. I promised myself that I would, and I was working with a coach actually at the time, I promised myself I would find a way to love what I was doing before I left it. Because I decided that if I can find a way to love the thing that nearly killed me, then surely I, I can, I can call that a win. Surely I can, I can claim some growth from that. So that's what I, I, I promised myself I would do. So to answer your question, how did I stay the course? It was, I made up in my mind that either I was going to figure out how to love it. And that's the answer. I love it. So I'll stay or from a place of being happy and healthy and connected and grounded and wholesome and all that good stuff. Surely it would be clear what the next step was. I just, I rolled the dice on that and trusted that it would, it would play out. And of course it did, which doesn't mean it was easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's still not. It's still not. Every day is a challenge. Um, right. It's part of the human existence, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. that was, but Ruth, to your point, I didn't, I didn't say that day I'm done with corporate. That day I said, if I can't, if I want my life to change, I have to change. And that was a really hard pill to swallow because um, I kind of felt like I tried everything else, tried con controlling everyone, pretending to be someone I wasn't, doing things I didn't want to do. In the, I, I, tr I tried everything out there. I thought, well, surely then maybe all that's left is if I want to feel different and my life to be different, I have to be different. I mean, it just, mm -hmm. it just seemed like a logical place to go. Yeah. As much as it wasn't fun. Can you tell us more about how you found love in what you were doing, even though it was clearly like killing you and, and you were, you were ready to. 
Yeah. Um, do you want the practical answer or do you want the woo-woo answer or do you want both? I want both. Okay, I'll give you the practical answer first. The yeah. practical answer is just like the uh, turd on top of the vanilla ice cream, I stopped pouring it over the ice cream. So things that would trigger me, I'll give you a really granular example. A an email at five o'clock on a Friday from my boss that I think sounds like she's annoyed at me um, would trigger stress and anxiety. Like all weekend long, probably, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I analyzed what was going on. I'm making up that she's mad at me. I'm making up that it means I'm going to have to work late. I'm making up that if I have to work late, my girlfriend at the time, now wife, is going to be mad. Uh, I'm making up that my weekend's going to be ruined. I'm making up that it's going to impact my rating at the end of the year. I'm making up that that will mean I don't. Da, 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 da. The list goes on. I'm making all of that stuff up. Hmm. So instead of pouring crap on the ice cream, I, I looked at it and said, well, the only thing I know for sure is that there's an email in, in my inbox from this very influential person that I work for. That's, that's all I know for sure. So I would breathe and try to make myself feel calm. And then I would look at it objectively as best I could. And then I did the craziest thing. And that was go and talk to her about it <laughs> and say, <laughs> like, I, are you mad at me? Because your email reads as though you're mad at me. And sometimes, yeah, you should have done this. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. I'll do better next time. Or no, not at all. You just do it on Monday. It's fine. I just, I, I, I actually stopped making shit up and, and tried to just be a human. That's actually really powerful. I have to say that, uh, yeah. So that's the practical answer. Okay. Give me the woo woo now. The woo woo answer is because I spent more and more time focused on the elements of things that made me feel good. And I don't mean in some like hedonistic fashion, but, um, deciding that, She's not mad at me instead of deciding that she is because one feels like relief and one feels like dread. You know, spending more time above the line emotionally and learning to challenge my thoughts and attach, I guess I would say, more empowered, more constructive, a better word, more constructive meanings to things. I noticed that the more I felt at least neutral or good, the way people acted and behaved around me changed. I got fewer emails at Friday night. Meetings that I didn't want to attend disappeared from my calendar. Uh, I came up with ridiculous creative solutions to problems in meetings. When everyone else is really stressed, I would go, how about this? And everyone would say, oh my God, that's genius. Well done. And the meeting would finish early. So people, places, and things around me started to change once I started to change the way I viewed them. You're talking about the law of attraction. Yeah. Yeah. Back, back then, that's exactly what I was trying to enact. My view of it now is a little bit, a little bit softer, which is just that I think when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change because you can only feel and experience what you pay attention to. Um, and, and yes, I, I am talking about law of attraction. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it was wild. It was can wild. you define that for our listeners that may not know what it is? Yeah, it's this concept. Well, I say it's a concept. I mean, you, if you speak to a physicist, they would say it's fact, but we'll go with concept. It's this concept that we are vibrational beings and that our thoughts and our feelings produce an electromagnetic and an electronic field around us and that that actually attracts 
experiences into our world. Like any, an easy way to describe it is I bet everyone has had that experience where they've thought of an old friend really lovingly, like, oh, I remember that time when, and then they've called you or text you and gone, wow, that's crazy. Well, the theory goes that we actually, to a certain extent, create and construct the experiences of our lives based on what we're thinking and what we're feeling. Um, said another way, we attract experiences into our day based on what we put out. Now, that's the, that's the concept. So the more I focused on, I'm not good enough, I'm going to be in trouble, I'm not going to get that raise, she's pissed at me. Well, sure enough, the more evidence showed up, to suggest that that was the case. More emails, more difficult tones in conversations, people banging on my doors and interrupting me, me not having enough time mm. to get anything done. And the more I thought, you know what, screw this. I belong here. I'm good at my job. People value me. The more stuff happened to validate that. Someone would give me a pat on the back. My boss would give me some space. I'd randomly get compliments. Meetings would move out of my calendar that I didn't want to attend. Someone would solve a problem for me that I hadn't even told them was a problem. You know, just stuff happened to make my life easier. <clears throat> so that mm -hmm. so folks can believe the practical answer or the woo answer or a combination <laughs> of the two what whatever the point is i had a better time i was yeah i was feeling better and enjoying myself more because i chose to it really speaks to that creative element that we have that's really powerful but we we don't really necessarily see it as power but it really is it's some sort of force that we have, we can exact on our environment mm. or first on ourselves that has an impact on, on our environment and, you know, visible, invisible, whatever, what have you, it's there. And once we learn to acknowledge it and tap into it, then we can become more in tune with how it, it works. Yeah. Uh, it also makes me think of, um, are, are you familiar with the story of Moses in the Bible? Give me more. <laughs> there, there are several stories of Moses say, in which, the Bible. Which, which part of which one? In particular? <laughs> uh, so there was the part, um, and I hope I get this right. Um, so he was, he reached the Red Sea with all the Israelites with him mm -hmm. and you know, the Pharaoh is all pissed and wants yeah. to uh, pay back for all the plagues and losing his son. Um, so he's, you know, hot on his tails and he has the sea in front of him and he's like, what do I do? And, um, and the first thing that he hears, cause um, you know, according to the story, God was speaking directly to him and, interacting directly to him he was like what do you have in your hand and he and he looked at and he, he had his staff and that's what he used to part the sea mm. um it makes me think of um mm. there a big part of what we can do with our environment or with our circumstance and situation is first of all acknowledge what we have uh in our hands what we have in our mm you know, in our beings, in our environments, first of all, before we can look to external solutions or, you know, in addition to that, you know, um, because we have this um, vibrational energy and this, um, if, if, 
this aligns with you, this external um, um, divine presence that is also helping guide mm -hmm. you, it, there is, it, what is needed in that equation is what is already there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, and the beauty of it is that as flawed and as imperfect and as incomplete as we are, that is actually exactly what's needed to get to the next step. Mm. Oh man, I love that. I, there's a there's a quote I have on my wall. It's made up, and it, it's a quote from God, and it says, "You lack nothing. Use what I gave you." Yeah. In any Truth. given moment, and I I, I try like I screw up, I get mad, I get frustrated, I I say the wrong thing. Of course, human. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, in any given moment, when I feel stuck, I do consciously think to myself, "What What do I have at my disposal?" that I can use right now. And I'm convinced. And this is kind of what I heard Ruth, when you shared that mm -hmm. lovely insight you just shared. I'm convinced that it's never the problem. That's the problem. Problems are real. Yeah. You don't go away just because you pretend they're not there. I get that. We all have challenges, crises, and I feel for people who are going through hardship. The problem is never the problem. It's the state that we're in when we approach it. That's the problem. If we can find a way to clean up our thinking, clean up our state, energetically shift, however woo you want to go, and then look at the problem, we'll see it very differently. And we'll have those insights. I, can, I, can I give you, I've got time for a quick example? Yeah, yeah. yeah you got all the time in the world, go for it. This is one of the most wild examples of, of intuition helping me out. This was when, going back, Ruth, to your question about leaving the corporate world. So I wasn't, uh, I was a square peg in a round hole like you. It wasn't that I didn't fit and bounced around. I actually reshaped myself to fit. And after 15 years, my body said, F you, I'm not doing this anymore and I had a yeah. breakdown. So my experience was different to yours, even though I was still a square peg in a round hole. And when I had realized it was time to go and I'd found a way to love it, I was looking for my practical exit. Um, and it would be irresponsible of me to just, jump ship you know i had this big career behind me and i wanted to continue to provide for my family so i was looking at part-time opportunities i was looking at contractor roles i was going to do uh, get another job that was easier at one point i was <laughs> on a call with a recruitment consultant in new york city telling them that i basically want an easy job where i can just mail it in and she's like ah looking at my resume going well there's a cfo position available at one of our startups and i was like no no you don't understand i I don't want you to get me a big job. I want you to get me an easy job. And she's like, I, 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 don't, I can't help you. I don't understand what the hell you're talking about. And I tried explaining this change I was making in my life and no one got it. And bless my, my wife, she was trying to tap into her network and she was looking at jobs online for me and trying to find all of these opportunities and nothing was sticking, nothing was landing. And there's one morning I was in our home gym, I was working out, so my energy's high, right? And I'm thinking more openly and more practically about things. And I literally just finished a set. And I swear to you, I said to myself, this is stupid, Devon. You're relying on your wife searching job ads for you. Why don't you just leverage your network? And then I swear to you, I heard a voice in my head. I don't know whose voice it was. It said two words, text Kate. And I went, okay. 
And this is the, I, I won't say her last name, but this is uh, an old friend of mine. We used to work together many years ago at the firm I was at. She had long since left the, left the firm. We hadn't spoken for mm, maybe 18 months or so. I randomly text her and said, hey, thinking of you, looking to make the jump from the firm like you did, got time to chat? The f that Later that night, we're on the phone talking and she was talking about a part-time opportunity that was coming up. It would have to be a contractor role. It would have to be someone who only wants like 20 hours a week. You'd have to come and go as you please. It was Bummer. specifically, <laughs> and she's like, it's a very unusual role. It's all about process improvement and the technology side of it and getting great ideas. And I stopped and went, Kate, you know, like that's literally what I do right now for the biggest professional services firm on the planet. And she went, oh shit, yeah, it is. Do you want to come and do that for me? <laughs> Three months later, I left the firm and start, two months after that, I started the role with them. And doing two days a week with them was making the same money as my old full-time gig. Oh. Wow. Devin, what if I told you that life isn't happening to you, it's responding to you? <laughs> there you go. Right here. And, <laughs> and, and, and you know what? It, it feels like a roll of the dice and... And it feels like, like I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna advocate for someone to be irresponsible and to chuck their life mm. away and not have a plan B and burn the boats and all that kind of, you know, real kind of scary stuff. I, I think, I think we're grown ups. I think we need to think carefully. I, I think we need to acknowledge that we share this life with others and that our actions have consequences. I think all of that stuff. Let's all be sensible and hold hands and look after one another. But let's also not sweat the small stuff and let's also get into a good feeling place before we approach a problem because we see things so differently and I, I think the biggest belief i've taken on board is the one brian you just read out which is look i don't i don't know what i'm about to say might be absolute bs but i believe that life is happening for me not to me I, I, so when something bad happens I will experience the emotion of it, the sadness, the upset, the, the guilt, the grief, the whatever, and then go, okay, cool. So I, there has to be a good reason for this. What was it? And I set my brain searching for what the utility is. I don't know if that's true, guys. All I can tell you is it makes me infinitely more capable of handling the hardship than it does if I look for someone to blame. Mm. It works. That's it's yeah. all about where your energy is most effective, mm. including your brain energy. Yeah. 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 And you, according to your book, you started to see the world as one giant playground <laughs> that has infinite possibilities based on your attitude towards the playground. Yeah. There, there are kids that are terrified of the jungle gym and there are others that just swing right across it. Like my daughter, and it's all about their, yeah. yeah, and it's all about their mindset towards it. Yeah, yeah, it's no more risky for one kid than it is the other. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think when we surround ourselves with people who we're fortunate enough to love us and want the best for us, and we surround ourselves with people who are like-minded, you know, you two doing this together, like how like incredible is that? That you not only are you in love and married and have a wonderful blended family, you also Going, doing this business venture together and you're like-minded and you encourage each other to grow. I mean, when, when we support us, when we surround ourselves with people who support us and think like that, we have that safety net. We have that support structure 
and it allows us to play a little bit more freely in the playground. Yeah. It's kind of having, you know, like knowing that there's a guardian or a parent, you know, sitting on the sidelines, just yeah. watching us and uh, making sure there's no dangers, yeah. um, you know, that we can't handle. That's right, because there's a difference between fear and danger, isn't there? Yeah. Fear is what holds us back. Yeah, fear, fear of not is just being enough, fear of being ridiculed, fear of being rejected. But a real danger, I'd like to think we'd be able to spot, or at least someone who loves us would go, don't do that, Devin. That's, you're going to get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very key. Uh, I do have some uh, Hey Ma, Look at Me moments at, on the Jungle Gym. I'm not going to lie about that. It's just like, <laughs> they're like, what I can do? And then I just like totally hurt <laughs> myself <laughs> on this metaphorical jungle that we were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I bet you learn more from them than you did from the ones where you took it easy. I, I got to say, I, uh, I learned more from Ruth than mm -hmm. I do from most of my other life experiences because she's just so honest with me about hey you're messing this up do better i know you can do better do better yeah I've, I've been doing the best i've ever done in my life ever since i met her oh that's really sweet yeah that's very true and I, I really also admire your um bravado you know you just go into it yeah there's, yeah, you, there's no hesitation <laughs> meanwhile i'm just conscientious I'm to just, a fault no <laughs> i'm, I'm like, just like you know strategize it and you're just like diving into it go for it I, I think it's a good balance of like um risk taking and also thoughtfulness um and yeah both. i'm the idiot that just dives into battle without a shield and she's just like bro bro like you need you need to prepare let's strategize here before we just like start fighting this fight <laughs> but yeah it's it, it is a great combination and i i, I love being in this business with you and in and, and, and this relationship and uh, uh devin we're we're expecting another child i don't know if you knew that or not <laughs> yeah. oh i did not oh that's amazing yeah. news congrats yeah we're what is it 11 weeks son no 12 12 12 then. Yeah. oh that's amazing yeah oh. you think i'd keep better track of it i do have <laughs> a close. countdown on my phone you were close. that says uh 192 days yeah I mean, it's 11 and a half, technically. So. Okay, well, you know, yeah. I was half right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every day matters. It is. I'm getting less and less sick. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> yeah. So, um, oh, that's uh, wonderful yeah. news. Congrats to you, too. Thank, thank you. you. Thank wow. you. And you're a relatively new father, too, aren't you? About uh, yeah, How old two. is your kid? She's two, yeah. She's two. Ooh. Yeah. Terrible she, twos. How's that treating you? Amazing. She is, yeah. um, oh, man, she's so sassy. Oh yeah, that's that like, gets worse. Oh no, I had no idea how funny and classy kids were. Oh yeah, can I, yep. can I, please can I tell you a little story? Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, please do. This actually, to be fair, was a few months ago. Uh, we're going through the potty learning at the moment. Um, mm. This was yeah, maybe three four months ago. Um, I was putting her in her car seat in the morning to take her to school, and I noticed. More than one of my senses let me know in that moment that her diaper needed to be changed. Mm -hmm. So I remember thinking in the moment, oh, man, that's like back inside, disturb the dogs. She then going to want to change her outfit. There's the diaper change. Uh, by the time we get back out, the traffic's going to be all this stuff. And I started processing in my head, maybe I can just put her in the car seat anyway, pretend that it happened in the car and hand her over to daycare. And, I, and then 
I wrestled with it for a second and I thought, no, that's not, that's not okay, Devon. Do the honorable thing, go back inside, change her diaper. She gets to school when she gets to school. And I turned to her and I said, should we just go back inside and change your diaper? And she went, yeah. So I got her out of the car seat. I picked her up. I put her over my shoulder. I swear to you. She patted me on the back. She turned her head to the side, looked me right in the eyes, and she went, good boy, daddy. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, you little shit. Literally. <laughs> Who taught you that? <laughs> well, she gets it from somewhere. Right? <laughs> Did she sense that I was wrestling with a moral issue? And that I Kids are a lot smarter like, than we give them credit for. Yeah. Good boy, They're daddy. very intuitive. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So patronizing. Yeah. <laughs> but to them, it's like, oh, yeah, the, the honesty. Yeah. It's their, it's it's their whole to, world, to too. To the point of being cruel sometimes. Yeah. But <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I I, I, there's no filter. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate kids for their, their honesty like that, though, because, like, adults are not like that. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, no, it's fine, it's fine. And then they'll suffer, they'll get a diaper rash, and they'll be pissed at you for the duration of the diaper rash mm-hmm. instead of just being like, you need to change me. What's, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Completely. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's a bad analogy for an adult, but, you know. Depends on the <laughs> we get the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no I think it's a good analogy, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so have you come, uh, I mean, you wrote the book four years ago. Yeah. Um, and now you're a dad. Yeah. Has, yeah. Ha- come on. Has there been any added insights yeah. from, yeah, I'm sure there have. Is there any uh, one that you would like to share at this point? Yeah. There are, honestly, probably another 10 different tools. So I thought, despite and Brian I appreciate you mentioning this despite the, the the book being conversational I think somewhat soft and encouraging and like a bit of a chat between friends that phase of well, let's call it personal development for me was all about being tougher being stronger taking responsibility stepping up rah you can do it powering through and there's a time and a place for all of that it's really important I think taking responsibility for your existence and your actions is is the cornerstone of of personal development. And I'm realizing that that's not where the real power lies. The real power lies in much softer, much more intangible tools like surrender, faith, Mm. acceptance, vulnerability. So that is the second phase of my journey is learning um, what I call the softer, much more open values and virtues. Um, you know, discipline, action, presence, like, boom, they're powerful. Got it. Love it. Great. Got to do it. But surrender and faith, they are what are needed to get you ultimately where you're going. And I definitely have learned those more by by having a daughter. You know, here's a, here's a, a real life example. Mm-hmm. Birth is terrifying. Oh, yeah. uh, and for, I, I, I have no idea, absolutely no idea what it's like for the mother. And it would be incredibly disrespectful for me to suggest I even have any idea what you, what you amazing women go through. For a guy, it's terrifying. And there's about that much we can do about it. That was the biggest lesson I've ever had in faith, surrender, and presence. My job on that day was to be there and to trust the process. 
And there was a huge amount of power in that. And it's the opposite of control. And that messed with my head. It's more powerful to trust and be there than it is to try and control it, really. And it truly is. So that's that's the phase of the journey I'm in now is is understanding really how we shape our experience and our realities is through the softer virtues. Yeah. That's well said. Yeah. Right. I, well, I can't wait for your next book because I feel like I, maybe I another one just... would be coming. It, yeah. Would there be? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have awesome. actually started. Um, I've started it. I, I don't have a time frame yet, but I have genuinely started it. There is a, a partially drafted manuscript. Excellent. Well, when that is complete and ready for publication, we'll be sure and have you back and you can talk more about that. Beautiful. I'll, I'll, I'll expect an early draft so that we can... <laughs> so you can critique? No, 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 not critique, but so that I can actually read the damn thing before... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, just to defend you, brother, um, I read a statistic once, although I realized most stats are made up. Something like 90% of self-help books never get read. Yeah. So go easy, man. You're in the 10%. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people buy them with really good intentions, and then they just get shelved Yeah, um, for a number of periods. And I also think that a lot of them get gifted. Like, here, I noticed you're having a problem with this thing. And yeah. it's like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. But not to discount, you know, you are going through an incredibly heavy growth period um, with a lot of elements um, at play that, are taxing and are taking up a lot of your your brain space. So, not that you're just sitting around watching TV and doing nothing. You're you're you have a stack, yeah. <laughs> a stack in front of you every day. And um, yeah, and I, I I try and chip away at it every day too. Yeah, um, but there's just not enough hours in the day to do all the reading I want to do. <laughs> it's okay. No. Yeah, I feel like we're eternal beings and we have. We have much more time to learn and play, and it's mm. okay to not to not do it all at once. And that's mm. something to learn from our kids. Goodness me, yeah. they know how to play and and use their imagination and and be present. Oh my goodness! Like yeah. all my daughter cares about in any given moment is what's right in front of her. And goodness me, she's she gets the juice of everything out of it. Mm. Whereas we're thinking about the meeting we have and we were late for this and da da da. We time we time travel, don't we? All the time. Yeah. Don't finish. I didn't finish this. Oh, I'm a failure. Oh, ah. <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, I just finished reading actually the chapter you have on presence. It's one of your 10 tools. Yeah. Uh, that, um, I'm just going to read them out. Uh, gratitude is the first one, which is oh so important. Uh, belief, presence, disassociation. I haven't gotten to these ones yet. Integrity. <laughs> I know. I hope I know how to do that one. Uh, meditation is is uh, a big deal in in my life as well. Um, prayer and meditation and util utilization, becoming. I'm looking forward to getting to that one. Responsibility and resolution. And I think if you were to amend the amend these right now, you'd add two more that are um, uh, belief and surrender. So, yeah, surrender, faith, acceptance. Mm. I'll think of some more. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, the fact that you mentioned surrender is really apropos too, because Ruth actually has surrender tattooed on her oh. arm. Oh, yeah. lovely. It's, it's her only tattoo. My only tattoo. <laughs> you know, versus, you know, I've got, <laughs> I've got 50. 
yeah but yeah i i actually had that done um after my first divorce which was very hmm. uh difficult and your last you know, divorce yeah your last divorce. my last divorce my <laughs> only divorce um but yeah it really tested my faith and i moved back to kenya for a while hmm. and a big part of it was just surrendering and uh yeah and and trusting the process of healing which is which takes a long time yeah yeah but uh here's to being here being present and uh enjoying your lovely guesting here yeah. <laughs> Devin. um and i, I think um uh, unless you have one last thing that you want to share with us i think we are ready to ask you the last three questions that we ask every guest oh i want to hear the three questions hit me oh hit me, hit me. yay so the first one, we're bringing it back to dwellness. Mm -hmm. What is one domestic task you do well and or enjoy? One domestic task I do well. Home improvements. Ooh, nice. Yeah, fixing something that's broken. Love that. <laughs> Such a manly answer. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. Just like, let me fix yeah. stuff. Give me a hammer. Give me a hammer. Yeah. Fix it. <laughs> a hammer and tape measure and on many bodies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I love a good uh, DIY thing. Oh yeah, yeah, she's she's a huge DIYer. She's yeah. got always has projects going in our house. She, one, of, one of the things that Ruth enjoys doing is upcycling furniture. Mm -hmm. Oh, is, nice! Our entire house is is practically somebody else's. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> or it was. I I do love the whoopsie paint aisle um, <laughs> in any home improvement store because I'm like, Ooh, let's see what colors we have today. Yeah, <laughs> and nobody else is gonna have that color ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it was an accident, but, yeah. you know, that'll be the next chair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the next one, you want to uh, go no, ahead? No, no, this is, this, I'll do the last one. Okay, okay. Uh, so the next one is Star Trek themed. Um, yeah. Yay, <laughs> yeah. yes, I'm yeah. a Trekkie. I'm glad that you... <laughs> Everyone's super excited about this one, and I don't want to take it from you. So. Okay, so let's imagine you're a Starfleet officer. Yeah sent out on a mission about to go on a mission for an indeterminate period of time and you can only take three personal items and this is like following star trek rules so like mobile phones don't apply uh, so what would those three items be three personal items so food and drink because i can use a replicator right yeah 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 three yeah your food is supplied your your communication is supplied yeah three. although my mom said kenya tea because you know the, 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 you star get... trek will screw it up <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah um i would take does my whoop count because i really love measuring my vitals oh sure yeah, yeah. okay so i take my whoop um, I didn't I would, even know what a whoop was. It's, it's I, one of those wearable we have, that does Yeah, we have um, uh, Apple Watches, yeah. which I imagine does something similar. Um, I would take my um, Serenity coin. Nice. Um, wow. Is that like a, an AA chip? Is that what that yeah. is? Yeah. 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 For, uh, not for alcoholism, but for codependence. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. It's, it's, all, it's, it's all about family and serenity and and that, nice. that's the role of life I'm stepping into right now is making is is being the end of a chain of dysfunction and toxicity in my family line so that my daughter yeah. never knows yeah. it. Good for you, yeah. Um that's that's definitely something I'd I would want to take with me because I can't replicate that. Um three things. 
Two thirds of the way there, buddy. You're almost, you're almost through. Do you know what's so funny about this question is I've realized that it doesn't this suggest that I'm not that materialistic anymore? I, once upon a time, I would have got oh, a Ferrari and a Ferrari. <laughs> now I'm like, my whoop. Where are you going to drive a Ferrari in outer space, though? <laughs> Isn't that you know? funny? So, it is. Co- coin, whoop, and yeah, probably, probably whatever book I'm reading at the time. Like, I get a little bit, I get very attached to whatever book I'm into. At the moment, mm-hmm. it's a book by Terry Real called Us, which is all about relational life. I'd probably take a copy of that. So we actually allowed one of our guests to take a trunk full of books since it's an indeterminate amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would take my library collection. <laughs> there you oh, go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So my whoop, I've never thought that would come out. My whoop, my serenity coin and my books. Yeah. Yeah. That's wow. Lovely. You know what's so funny? If you'd asked me that question seven years ago, you would have got a douchey douchey answer <laughs> like all my tailor-made suits and my yeah it's funny you actually have a section yeah you actually have a section in your book that i've read so far that talks about um or maybe it's not in your book but it's in your the materials that you have available that says uh you know, you used to dress for success and yeah and uh, now that you you started wearing skinny jeans and hoodies <laughs> And you're, you're, you know, you look younger, you feel younger, you're happier. You've got this, you know, the first thing I I noticed when we linked in today was that you, you look 10 years younger than I knew you seven years ago. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Cause I'm nice. I'm not pretending to be someone I'm not. Yeah. Also, you know, you're not having to drink every night Yeah. and, 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 you know, eat, eat shitty food just to get through the day. Yeah. Right. I, I have found a similar experience as I moved on from my previous brokerage and started working with. So high five. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Last question, Devin. Yes. What is one thing that can instantly make your day better? Right. Oh, it's, I can't believe this just came up. I'm going to answer a a hug. Oh, like how that's so corny doesn't it doesn't matter no. like hugs make everybody feel that better is actually what came out of my mouth but that was a hug for for me yes yeah, a hug how funny all right well, well give me the the 10 years ago answer a pint no some kind of accolade or praise mm. yeah because that's the only thing that would make me not feel like dog shit is i needed a dose of attaboy whereas now i value human connection and and wholeness more than anything i can really honestly say right and this I, I swear i'm not just making this has come up multiple times with multiple people there is not enough money in the world to stop me doing what i'm doing now that is not to say if there's a generous benefactor out there who wants to write me a large check i wouldn't accept it because it means i can go faster but i on, mm. honestly it is what 325 on a tuesday even with i'll make it up a hundred million dollars in the bank account. This is where I want to be. This I want to be here with you two talking about this. Like there is not enough money in the world. And I don't know how you value that. Like I, I, that is the greatest gift there is. And it's priceless. Literally priceless. There is, yeah. there is nothing that will stop me from doing this. doesn't mean I can't enjoy nice things and whatever on the way. So my value now is around self-expression and connection and those human experiences. Whereas previously it was materialistic because I was trying to fill the hole 
of pretending to be someone I'm not. Yeah. Wow. I think it's, um, I just want to take a moment really quickly before we end our show. I think it's appropriate that you said that praise thing, that attaboy thing, because I've been telling Ruth for some time. And the more I say it, the less I believe it, that my, one of my love languages is, uh, is uh, words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. Yeah. yeah. And I think that I would much rather have a hug mm. uh, at this point in my life mm-hmm. than, than like a genuine, like, oh, come here, baby, hug. Then uh, you're doing a great job, blah, blah, blah. Because like, I look at the things that I've actually achieved in my life and they're so hollow that they don't deserve necessarily to be praised. And they have so much further to go that an attaboy just makes me be like, all right, I can stop for the day. Whereas a hug makes me, inspires me to do more. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. The deeper stuff. Yeah. The deeper stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're here for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow, dude. That was right on. I share that. All right. Well, I'm glad that, uh, <laughs> uh, that I'm glad that I shared it as well with, yeah. with everybody. Yeah, this conversation has felt like a hug, and if you were here, it would be. <laughs> I know you. I'm definitely gonna give you one when we see, meet yeah. each other. If you're okay yeah, yeah, with yeah. that. hundred percent. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, are you gonna come up to Vermont to do some skiing this winter? Yes. In fact, we were oh, literally nice. talking about that last weekend, trying to figure out timing of that. Potentially in uh, during the holidays, we, we have we've we've carved out a week off in between uh, the 25th and New Year. So we're we're thinking about um, coming up for some skiing. Excellent. Well, we will be around. Yeah, I'd love mm-hmm. to I believe. Yeah. Uh, and I'd love to. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd love to catch up and. Say hi to you and your your lovely wife and your baby and all your dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dog, all, all three animals, the two dogs and our daughter. Yep. <laughs> that would be great. Sassafras. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Bailey, for for taking the time to chat with us today. We really appreciate it, and it has been enlightening and heartwarming and many other words. Yeah. Atta boy. Where where do we find you though? Where do people find you? Oh yes, of so DevonBailey.com or on LinkedIn. Devon Bailey, nice. those, are, those would be the two main platforms. You don't have shapingreality.com anymore? I do, but it now reroutes to Devon Bailey. Okay, well, excuse me. Yeah, no, yeah. no, quite it's quite all right. But yeah, no, you do I do still have shapingreality.com. Everything's still out there, but yeah, we we're um actually undergoing a rebrand. Rebranding. Oh, I was just about to say you've rebranded. Yeah, yeah, that's we are that's awesome. Yep, yep. <laughs> yep. We have a little logo now, which is a little climbing a mountain. You're, there'll be more on that uh, in the not too distant future. But yeah, go to devonbailey.com or find me on LinkedIn. Excellent. We will do that. Thank you so much, Devin. Wellness Podcast is produced by Steinmetz and recorded at Dialed Studio at Hula. Our audio and video production is handled by Syntax and Motion. Our audio engineers are Wesley Davis and Will Davis. Our show producer is Will Davis. Intro music is by Sam Barsh and outro by Ian Koloski. Artwork and promotions by Snicket's Public Relations. 
You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Steinmetz-VT. Or you can sign up for our newsletter and get insights into our lives at our website, Steinmetz-VT.com. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.